Hey guys, it's Ken. A little bit of programming note before we start. We are going to be re-releasing our podcast under a different RSS feed due to some issues with a previous podcast. Uh, so look for our new podcast, Max Destruction Podcast. You'll be able to find it. The current RSS feed that you guys are using will likely come up as you call those tactics. Now, we're going to be releasing episodes on both for the next couple of weeks, but we really need you to switch over as a favor to me, as a favor to Dustin, and as a favor to yourself. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Max Destruction. I'm Ken. That's Dustin. And Dustin, seriously, dude, your cybersecurity is terrible. I don't know what it is that you are doing, but we have another interloper in our midst. Uh, it happens. Some guy, I, he calls himself Makeless Mar- Mar- Marvel- Marvelous Joe. Uh, Marmalade Joe. Guy is. <laughs> Marmalade Joe. Perfect. Uh, that's right, guys. We have Marvelous Joe with us. Uh, go ahead and uh, and and say hi, Joe. Hey, how's it going, guys? I, I don't think it's Dustin cybersecurity that's so bad as so much as my like expert hacking skills that are just amazing. So uh, yeah, Dustin, you're Team Marvel. I'll cut you some slack, man. I think you're doing a good job, Thanks, man. I appreciate it <laughs> for sure. It's, you're you're just like '90s uh, hacker movie skills going exactly. Like I just see the code, like in the movie Hackers. Like I look at the world and it looks like the Matrix. That's how I see it. <laughs> Can't stop that. Right. Right. Second greatest hacking movie there was. I mean, let's let's be honest. It, it is only second because uh, the casting, other than Angelina Jolie. But I will also say that this is the second time we've had somebody that's also Marvel Dustin. So don't get all excited. All right. He does agree with me sometimes. So we're going to roll <laughs> with that. Uh, yeah, the DC guys, I mean, like the DC guys say that the Marvel guys don't read in our discord channel because we don't read as many of the comics, but I'll say that the DC guys don't, uh, show up, I guess, even to the movie theater or to, or to this podcast. <laughs> wow. That was, that was a sick burn, Jared. It was just, it was so, <laughs> shut up. No one likes you. Nobody likes Marvel. All right. No, nobody, Except nobody watches play. their movies. I, I did that ironically, Dustin. I did that ironically. That's right. I, I, I did it before it was cool. All right. And we discussed this. The reason I did it was because it was the first one that got any play. I mean, honestly, let's 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 talk about Marvel's movies like, I don't know, the Captain America with the excuses. fake rubber ears. Oh, the 90s one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was. That was jumping the shark before jumping the shark. Yeah, was cool. um, right. Oh, for sure. Fat nipples. <laughs> that's true uh, after after rubber ears all right uh yeah but like before joseph we'd like to go ahead and give you the floor introduce yourself as to who you are i guess why you are important uh other than being just terrible taste in comics and movies generally uh and the fact i think you're you're losing current like stats between oh well dc and marvel but we'll let you talk about that I don't know who's keeping track of that. I'm certainly not. Uh, but no, yeah, I think that's why I am important. I, I do have horrible taste in, in movies and, and stuff. Uh, I am the Marvel guy uh, for the Dynamic Duel podcast, and my twin brother is the DC guy. And basically what we do is the same thing that this show does. Um, we find out who would win between Marvel and DC characters by running their statistics through 1,000 Monte Carlo simulations to get a, a percentage of wins for each character. Um, and, uh, yeah, happy to have Max Destruction as part of the dynamic, dy- how do we pronounce it? Dynamic podcast network. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we provided you Ken, with the, uh, the Monte Carlo simulator that you use for the show. And I have to say, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing here. Um, it was, it was always a little bit of a, I guess, kind of a, a toss up as to whether or not you guys would be able to, um, like follow in our footsteps, like which sounds extremely prideful, but I always thought Jonathan and I were a little bit special and that like uh, no one else could do what we do. 
uh, but you guys are totally nailing it. And it, while it's a, a hurt to my ego, um, I, it, it is worth it to uh, listen every week to Max Destruction. So good job. I, I, I don't know of how many backhand compliments there were there, Dustin. However, I'm going to take every one of them as they were intended as a supreme compliment to our skills here as podcasters. Uh, that they may have laid the groundwork, but we elevated. That's right. Elevated the groundwork. Uh, no, honestly, uh, we, we've known each other for a couple of years now. Uh, I, I started listening to them, uh, the Dynamic Duel brothers, uh, when they were the Battlecast. Uh, so oh. old, old OG uh, podcasting, uh, and then yes. I've been following them with Discord for for a couple of years now. Um, when they kind of were looking at building their network, I think it was one of the first ones to pop up saying, "Hey, I really have this idea. Uh, my last podcast was great, but I hate just talking to myself. I'd much rather have like another person. And wouldn't it just be cool to put?" two movie characters in their same simulation because then it takes all of my biases out of it because let's be honest if it was just me coming up with the winners dustin would lose every single time uh and <laughs> it just it didn't work out that way uh we we utilize your system and we are definitely appreciative uh i don't know if you guys understand as my audience how much work these guys have to put in to get their episodes in on time, uh, it's ridiculous. And the fact that I don't have to do some of it is awesome. Which, well, you mean like the uh, the running of the stats? Yeah, running of the stats and then uh, the uh, some of the graphic designs that you, you guys are putting oh. out. Uh, so oh, yeah, the I truly design appreciate part it. Fun. Yeah. yeah thank I, just, you. I just show up every week. <laughs> You know that's what? not true as we discussed job. earlier you're you're the you're the writer i'm the puppet too you know you just puppet minister <laughs> the shit out of things and you know you you stick your hand up and my mouth moves like a puppet as as sam jackson would say uh it's it's good stuff um, so because you say you're a fan joseph i gotta ask which of our episodes have you enjoyed the most and why is uh, it when born beat bond I, that is my least favorite episode, actually. That was a bullshit episode, uh, and I did ask you guys to redo it, and I do still expect that to happen. But uh, I have two favorite episodes. Uh, the first one is, uh, I think Starosky mentioned this one, too. It was the Supernatural versus the Crow episode, largely because I didn't know much about Dean Winchester. Um, and I think one of the best things about this show, in addition to you know finding out who would fight, is that you guys really give a great breakdown of these movie characters that people may or may not necessarily know. Um, I, I'd only seen maybe like one episode of Supernatural. So when you first announced that fight, I was a little bit confused as to why that would even be a good matchup. But then I listened to it and I was like, that, that was pretty fire. That was really good. I liked it. Um, my Very second- disappointed in you. For only watching one episode, <laughs> dude, there are too many seasons of that goddamn show. It is, it is, is. way too long. <laughs> I will say well, I haven't finished it, but like one episode. Well, I've only seen like seven, eight seasons. Yeah, when it first came out, I was like, "This show looks like a couple of uh, CW Pretty Boys and stuff like that." But it gained quite the following, I think, um, largely because the Sam and Dean on that show, from what I could tell, they seem, even though they are kind of pretty boys. They're still like uh, man, like 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 Dean's like a man's man, you know. He he's really cool and he's funny, and that's the, the funny is the big thing, um, I think, as to why that character is so great. But um, my other favorite episode was the one that you guys just did, which was uh, the last action hero versus Jumanji. I forget the characters' names. Bravestone, um, yeah, Bravestone, and there you go, yeah, uh, guy. That was just a nostalgic joy for me because I've only seen Last Action Hero once and it was at the discount theater uh, with my brother and we convinced my grandma to take us to see it. She did not want to see it. And I had almost completely forgot about everything about that film. But listening to you go over it again and then listening to you guys battle it out, the description of how everything went felt so true to uh, just the slapstick nature of those of those films. I thought it was really well done. So. You guys are just doing great. 
<laughs> and on that note, folks, I think we are done for this episode. Uh, I'm just going to end it right there. Uh, we are doing awesome, and you guys need to give us all of the money. Uh, so we'll be starting a Patreon where you just give us all the money, uh, and we won't have to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, obviously we pay the vig. All right, so we're, we're based out of New York City. We know how the mob rules. You know, we kiss the ring of the dynamic tool brothers. Uh, so we, we got this. We may not be based here, Dustin, but the podcast itself, the world that we live in, and our deli man both live deli. In, in New York City. Yeah, or deli. You know, it's fine. I love that um, deli guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, the, the the guy is is perseverance embodied he comes to work every day regardless of what the hell's going on he is always there always punching the clock and serving the gabagool the way it needs to be you know as 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 lord intended it um yeah we'll for sure we'll for sure get a t-shirt of this guy out there for sure and i'll be the first to buy it sweet uh uh, second because i want my t-shirt first so i'll have to buy it first uh, and because I uh, we be we do not get free T-shirts here, Dustin. We pay for our own stuff. Okay, it's That's very fine. important that we, we put we forth can, our we money. We hook you guys up with, with free T-shirts for sure. <laughs> yeah. You guys should at least get that, right? Yeah. I mean, all the work here. It's 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 nothing really. I mean, it's it's not anything coming up with all the duels and stuff. Listening to yeah, all, literally all I did was I I I laid and watched a uh, uh, Con Air today. Nice. That's yeah, literally that was my work. Did. <laughs> uh, which is great because I'm No. <laughs> this is how Dustin always looks. Uh, it's a joy and wonder to always look at him in his majesty uh, and the fact that he can grow a beard and I can't until I retire, uh, which is awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Dustin. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the military doesn't let you grow a beard, right? No, the US, grow- U.S. military doesn't. What about a mustache? No, we can grow mustaches, but most of the time it looks somewhere in between uh, 1930s German chancellor and or Joe Durte. Uh So <laughs> because those two things typically don't look good uh, and mine usually comes in a variance of gray panel van with free candy written on the side, I tend to not do it. Uh when I had my last, this last leave that I had, that was like 50 days long, I let it just all grow. And it was wonderful until I looked in the mirror. Uh, and then it wasn't great anymore. And I figured it's probably time to come off. But that tangent aside, uh, I, I truly appreciate that, you know, it's the smaller episodes. It's not the ones that everyone really comes to. You know, Dutch versus Rambo is always the, the first one that I, I come to. But funnily enough, not our, our most listened to. Uh, and it's stuff that, you know, we, we've talked about in the past years. So that It's those one episodes that you don't think are going to be popular that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, it's what brings us, myself, and Dustin back to keep doing this because audience likes those little niche things. Uh, and speaking Absolutely. of niche things, uh, we're going to run into our audience matchup. This is like our third week of doing it. It's been pretty popular. Uh, so, Joseph, if you got some time, you'd like to run through this with us? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so Dustin, why don't you, uh, who's our matchup from this last week? And give us some of the responses. So, the matchup I asked was Detective Lee from the Rush Hour movies, because Jackie Chan is Absolutely freaking amazing. Um, some of the responses we had Hans Singh, uh, played by Jet Li and Romeo Must Die, Kato from the Green Hornet, Max Walker from JCVD Time Cop, and was that Bruce Leroy from Last Dragon? Is that what that says? Yeah, correct. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, <laughs> so that was yours. I, I'm not yeah. actually familiar with that character. My favorite was the Kato answer. I love the Green Hornet. It was great. So, yeah, funny I, story. I submitted, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you're going to comment on that thing, right? What are you saying? Funny story about... No, no. No, that's fine. Well, well it's your uh, show, Joseph. It's fine. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, <laughs> Stop talking. You don't edit nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely. Uh, and nothing. this is something for everybody in the audience to know. I do not edit anything. That is actually really, really good for the audience because we believe in 100% transparency and how shitty I am at this whole podcasting thing. So, Joseph, would you like to go ahead and respond? (laughs) Sure. Thank you for uh, letting me uh, chime in here. 
um, being so gracious as a host. Um, my answer was actually Bruce Leroy, who is a character from The Last Dragon, uh, which is a kind of black exploitation 1980s kung fu comedy. Um, and I really wanted to go the kung fu route, which is why I chose him. And plus, you know, he like, he kind of looks like Chris Tucker, like Bruce Leroy and Chris Tucker could almost be brothers. He reminds me of Smokey from uh, Friday, the Friday movies. Um, but when I was rewatching clips from The Last Dragon, he, he his martial arts abilities got a little bit supernatural, like he was catching bullets with his teeth and stuff like that. So uh, I figured that might not be the most fair matchups. So I think I have to agree with uh, the Han Singh Jet Li character from Romeo Must Die as the best choice because both Rush Hour and Romeo Must Die have that kind of like East versus West uh, themes going on where you have like uh, Jackie Chan being the cop meeting Chris Tucker, the, the fast talking LA police officer. And then you have, like a Romeo and Juliet style story with Jet Li falling in love with Aaliyah. And then you have the Royal, the Chinese gang going against the uh, African-American gang. So I thought the themes tied in well with those two. So that's my vote. So let me explain how both of you are wrong in, in everything that you say and do. Uh, I was with you with the Bruce Leroy point. Uh, Timac was incredible. Uh, and I honestly remember watching that movie probably more than any other movie on this list uh, when I was growing up because it was like on repeat on HBO when we would get the free like 15 days or whatever uh, through our cable company. It was like on every other day. Uh, funny story about Timac. Uh, he was at the one of the last Comic Cons that I went to uh, and he wasn't with where the guest panel is. You know, like all the cool anime, sci-fi. No, Timac was like in the back next to the bathrooms and the food places, like hawking his DVDs of The Last Dragon and like three of his albums. The guy's still a badass and I don't care. I, I paid like the $20 for a D, uh, signed DVD of The Last Dragon because uh, it's an incredible movie. And I don't really care uh, if it was not uh, as straight a martial arts film as it is uh, uh-huh. incredible uh, as far as the uh, Jet Li I, I do agree like 100% that one of the coolest things and I'll pull this out of uh, was the Lost Kingdom I think it was a couple of years ago was for yes so for us western kids uh, that really weren't into the kung fu film industry as deep as we, we probably should have been, especially for us. Like Bruce Lee was, was the man. Jackie Chan was the man. Jet Li was the man. Not really understanding that these two actually fought each other multiple times in multiple movies before this, but this was like the first wide release of getting to see Jet Li and Jackie Chan just go at it for a good solid three and a half minutes. Uh, outstanding uh and then the point i was going to bring up about bruce lee and kato and why that actually is is probably up there for me uh is i was actually watching a documentary a little bit ago with uh, jackie chan talking about the death of bruce lee i didn't know that jackie chan was in uh, uh enter the dragon as one of the minion bad guys uh who ended up getting ca- you know, kicked in the face multiple times by bruce lee in real life uh and he held himself like it didn't really hurt but he held himself to the point where bruce came over and put his arms around him and hugged him deeply and he said that he he let it go for probably a really awkward amount of time just to have bruce lee hug him oh wow <laughs> that's pretty cool what where did you see this documentary uh, so it was a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get the, the name, but, um, it was like a kind of just a, a, a cradle to grave look, uh, Chinese cinema, uh, okay. when it came to Kung Fu. Um, and Je- uh, Jackie Chan's done a couple of interviews discussing Bruce Lee's death, uh, how like, he died of a drug overdose people you know are like that or he died of natural causes in his bed well the truth was is that he died of natural causes only because he was given a really bad knockoff tylenol while at a mistress's house 
but the cinema production agency covered it up because they thought it would be bad for his brand, which it was. Uh, but not really many, a lot of people know about that. So it's, it was pretty legit. Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, I'll, I'll get the name for that before probably the end of this episode, and I'll make sure it's sent it to you. Uh, but also for our audience, if you're interested in, in that two and a half hours of your life that you probably didn't need anyways. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get on with this episode. Joseph, is there anything you'd like to plug? I mean, again, it's not like you like run a really awesome podcast or anything. Uh, I think the only thing I want to plug is just the rest of the, the Dynamite podcast network. It's it's growing. Uh, we currently have one of our other executive producers working on a show called Senjo World, which is uh, going to be about anime characters fighting against each other. We just got that simulator up and running. And so we could probably expect episodes for that to come out within the next month or so um, or month and a half. So uh, definitely, if you enjoy this show, Definitely check out the other shows within the Dynamite Podcast Network. And, uh, yeah, we'll post a link. Well, I think you already post a link in your show notes. So, yeah, check that out. Yeah, everybody keep, keep going with that uh, as these shows get added into the network. It's only going to make everyone better because uh, we listen to each other's shows. We give each other notes. Um, and it, for, no one for likes us, this. No one, I like no one cares about you, Dustin. <laughs> Literally, no one cares. You're here to I be a punching bag, Dustin. and we all know it. Someone just asked like me. every Marvel fan here, just a punching bag for for my ego, which is great. I, um, I got your back, man. Yeah, yeah. How how how'd you like the Flash? Anyways, um, why should right. uh, Ken be a Marvel fan? Because because it's better. better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. Uh, we all know. And your brother knows, which is the most important thing. Uh, it will continue to rep uh, DC proudly. Uh, and back to your previous Blindly. response of who, who's, who's keeping track? Nobody knows because we both know I don't do public math. You guys don't do public math. Thank God we have computers to do this for us. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Joe, yeah. thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, definitely going to have you on again. Uh, we'll probably have your brother on before you so that we can have the other side of the coin so I can finally feel not left out uh, as yeah. DC fans. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have you guys back on. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, can't wait to listen to this episode. All right. Bye. Thanks, man. Dustin, I, I realize you think that his response about hacking is going to work but tighten your shot could do that's all i have to say just just tighten I'll work on because it. I'll, I'll, I'll check the algorithms not. i'll check our firewall I'll, I'll get it i'll get it up to spec we got to make sure none uh, of the dc guys can get in so well those i'm giving entrance but it doesn't matter i i don't want the marvel guys to be able to get in. that's the that's the point uh and if this doesn't if this continues uh morale will just continue to drop for us just Everyone that doesn't like us now is your fault. Just want you to know that. I'll take uh, all the blame. But without further ado, Dustin, I think we should get into this week's podcast. And that's uh, Leon, the professional, uh, versus Snake Plissken. Uh, this episode is actually supposed to come out about three or four episodes ago. Uh, but due to some technical difficulties, uh, i.e. me moving uh, not realizing that the data would get deleted within seven days of recording, uh, we lost that podcast. Uh, so we're actually going to be going ahead and, and putting it out now. Uh, so I, I'm excited to do this. I know Dustin's very excited to do this again because uh, we love repeating ourselves. Just absolutely love it. <laughs> Uh, so without further ado, why don't Dustin, why don't we get into the tale of the cocoa butter? Sounds Which of good course, to me. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's 
Hey, play on our on the tail of the tape from the UFC or boxing, right? So we take two characters. In this case, it's going to be Snake Plissken versus Leon from the professional, uh, and we'll give you their you know their main details, right? So that you understand who they are. These two characters, one is from the '80s, one is from the '90s. Slightly obscure, unless you're a heavy action you know fan like myself and Dustin. Uh, so we kind of we'd like to give you guys a little bit of the history. So I'm going to go ahead and go first. Uh, this week with Snake Plissken. So SD Bob Snake Plissken uh, is played by Kurt Russell. Uh, and prior to his casting, he was actually looking at being cast or uh, played by Tommy Lee Jones and or Charlie Bronson. Uh, so Bronson definitely would have fit the mold, I think, with uh, death, you know, death Wish. Tommy Lee Jones has been old since day one. So it just kind of worked out. Right. Uh, so he is from the movies Escape from New York and L.A. Uh, his height at the time was 5'10", weighed 170 pounds. Uh, he was a lieutenant in the Green Beret Unit Black. Uh, of course, this is World War III. Uh, this movie came out in the early 80s. So this was in that god-awful time of 2013 was when World War III hit, right? Uh, so Pliskin served in the United States Army, achieving the rank of lieutenant. He served with the Special Forces Unit Blacklight uh, and earned, earned two Purple Hearts between Leningrad and Siberia. He was the youngest man to be decorated by the president. In 97, Snake was uh, arrested for robbing the Denver Federal Reserve Depository with his friend Bill Taylor, who was killed by the United States Police Force. So at this time, the United States kind of... The, the worst thoughts of this time period was that the United States would become a lot like those dirty commies over in the Soviet Union, right? Uh, just kind of collate all power. Everything would become authoritarian. Uh, so this was the the worst apocalyptic version of the United States they could come up with. Uh, so he was processed at the Liberty Island Security Control Center to be imprisoned in the New York Maximum Security Penitentiary. So the whole plot of Escape from New York is that the uh, Long Island uh, itself became an entire prison uh, that all of the degenerates and bad guys would be thrown uh, instead of having to house them in separate prisons. When John Harker, the president of the United States, crash landed inside the prison while carrying an important tape for the Hartford summit, Commissioner Bob Hawk offered Snake a mission to retrieve the president within 24 hours in exchange for the pardon for his crimes. Snake accepted and was briefed on the mission. To ensure that he would complete this mission, he was injected with capsules containing small explosives that would explode at the end of his mission's time, killing him. He was pursued by a bunch of crazies. He actually got on with some of his allies within the prison from his past uh, and was able to bring the president out. Um, however, he took the tape. Uh, that the president was bringing as kind of a fu to the man. Uh, he brought the president out. He was saved and pardoned, but he took the tape, which then caused like domestic, like really bad domestic and foreign uh, policy issues. Right. Uh, Escape from L.A. is a repeat of Escape from New York, except we all know finally the California's fault line blew uh, with a great earthquake causing the city of L.A. to drift off into the ocean, uh, which it then became an even worser, I guess would be the word, prison than New York. Uh, he had to go in to save the president's daughter, who was carrying a high-powered weapon uh, from space which would shoot an electromagnetic pulse. Uh, and if he did so, he'd be pardoned. Uh, he was also, again, injected with uh, explosives, he thought. Um, however, it didn't occur because they were faking it, and he only had the common cold when he got brought back out. Uh, he brought the daughter out and the weapon. Uh, he used the weapon instead of giving it back to them, causing the entire United States to go dark. And that's pretty much the, the gist of Snake's uh, time right so his abilities he's got an extremely high pain tolerance uh he once managed to rein in and ride a giant alternate dragon version of himself this was of course an iconic book uh once managed uh to routinely dodge automatic fire uh he dodged a robot with machine guns firing at him uh he's skilled with firearms and known uh various hand-to-hand -hand martial arts including kung fu and jujitsu he is an excellent surfer and paraglider, and he's a skilled combatant. Dustin, Snake Plissken is the man. And I don't think you quite understand this from the last time, but he is legitimately the guy. What do you got? 
I got Leon the professional, and like his name says, he's a professional. Wait, 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 so, wait, wait. Oh, I need Dustin. It's our tenth episode. Oh no, is it really? Right? That the fact that we've actually been doing this shit for ten episodes, I'm shocked that we're still going and the audience is still listening, and actually more people are listening. So, as a surprise to everybody, I don't think we're gonna do a battle this go round. I think maybe we should do a movie review. You know, that sounds like a good idea because I'd hate to see you cry when you lose again anyway. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Now, for those of you that uh, have listened to me prior to this for the podcast you call those tactics, I would actually take movies and give you the five W's, kind of like the tail of the cocoa butter. So just quickly, I'll go ahead and give you those. And then we're going to have Dustin give a synopsis of the film uh, because I got to read snake stuff. I definitely think Dustin, as as playing as Leon, has has the right to do so. So Leon the Professional came out in 1994. Of course, uh, it was written and directed by Luke Beeson. Uh, if I misstated uh, that, I am sorry. I'm definitely not French. Um, however, he uh, also directed The Fifth Element, Lucy. Uh, so a, one of the cooler uh, action directors of his time, right? Starring... Jean Renault, Gary Oldman, and Natalie Portman uh, was uh, filmed to look like New York City, of course. Um, but I don't think that really played very much of a point. Dustin, why don't you give us a quick synopsis of the film? Yeah, so a young Natalie Portman, known in this movie as Matilda, is only 12 years old. But already she has seen the ugly side of life. She had an abusive stepfather and a very neglectful mother. She also had a older sister who was kind of a jerk and a younger brother that she actually cared a lot about. Now, Leon, played by Jean Renault, lives down the hall. He tends to houseplants, drinks a lot of milk. Oh, yeah. And he's a hitman working for a mobster by the name of Tony. When Matilda's parents are murdered by corrupt DEA agents, she seeks refuge and joins forces with Leon to take down Stansfield played by Gary Oldman, who is the leader of a group of agents who killed her parents. So, like, I just want to say right from the get-go, Gary Oldman's performance in this movie is absolutely phenomenal. Like, he is freaking amazing. Definitely. It's, it's I would say, my favorite performance by Gary Oldman. Uh, definitely the one I remember the most. I mean, he's had... I think the man's had more performances than anyone ever, like as as an actor, like he just bites into these characters that he plays uh, more so than anybody else. I know Uh, his drug addled, crazed self that the, the left turns this guy takes like you think he's just like a drug lord and then he turns out to be an agent of the law. It's ridiculous. Mm hmm. Yeah, all around, it was it was a really well-done movie, had some amazing action scenes, and it actually had a really solid story to it. And that's what I miss about some of these like older movies that we've been doing shows on, is like, they actually had really good stories to them. They had fresh ideas back then. Not so much anymore. Yeah, do better, Hollywood. Just, just yeah. do better. Exactly. But, yeah, so some of my favorite scenes in this um, was like that freaking opening scene where Leon has a target and he goes into that freaking skyscraper building to take him down. And he's just so silently, like I thought he had superpowers the first time I watched this because he's just like slipping in and out of rooms outside, inside the building, all over the place and just taking people out left and right. Yeah, definitely. From from the beginning to the end, you didn't realize how much of a badass Leon is as an assassin. Like you see him, uh, Jean Renault is is a pretty menacing person. Like I'm thinking back to like Mission Impossible when he was the main bad guy. He he's an incredibly menacing human being, but to see him be stealthy and lithe and and just the ability to scare the shit out of somebody. Uh, literally, in some cases, uh, was ridiculous. Uh, it, it just kind of that that opening scene really showcased ba- Besson's uh, cinematography, right? The way he was setting this movie up, you knew you were in for a ride from the moment 
it it just started. Yeah, of course. And yeah, this movie was definitely an amazing like compilation of action scenes that I just loved. And it also had some heart to it, obviously, with him kind of reluctantly taking in the girl because he didn't want to. But it was like one of those deals where it's like, how do you turn away a 12 year old girl whose parents and whole family just got murdered in front of her? Yeah, I, but, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that that dog this movie because Natalie Portman, you know, she's 12 in this. Right. I think it's one of her first films. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they talk about, you know, how they seem to sexualize her in ways. Um, they actually did an interview with uh, Jean Renault about this probably about 10 years ago. Uh, and, and in reading it, it it kind of sheds better light from the other side, right? So everyone looks at it from one way and decides this is the way it is. Uh, but in reading this interview, Renault stated he wanted to play Leon as somebody definitely on the spectrum, right? So somebody that mm-hmm. is emotionally stunted, like he's an incredible assassin. He he is he is death personified. Uh, but I mean, the fact he drinks milk—that's all he does. You know, he does sit-ups. He waters a plant. That's that's all he wants out of life is to do that. Uh, showcasing his his limited, if not terrible, use and understanding of how money works. You know, and his innate trust in one bad guy that everyone knows is a bad guy, and everybody knows is is taking him to the cleaners. Right? It it's it showed that he, he and and Natalie Portman's character were kind of on the same level maturity wise so i think it definitely takes the sting out of the the critics out there that you know we're really focusing on portman's age and then his age i think it really kind of showed they were they were on the same level and she made him better and made him grow as a being but not in that relationship wise but more as like a brother and a sister, you know, somebody having to put themselves in that situation to take care of. Yeah, exactly. I never viewed his response to her as any type of like, uh, kind of like a, like a relationship driven emotions or anything like that. Like he, he, he treated her like a kid the whole time. And for her, he was like this guardian angel that protected her. So she had some fixation on him. That's kind of how I viewed it, but he definitely felt more of like, the protective older brother, like a father type of figure trying to protect her. Also though, teaching her to kill people probably isn't the best, but when uh, I thought he was actually trying to kill somebody with a sniper and letting her kill somebody in the park, that was another favorite scene of mine. And then you find out it's just like a paintball gun. I mean, Dustin, you've never been in the opportunity where you're a hitman and some 12 year old comes up to you and says that she wants to learn how to be a hitman and you don't teach her how to kill people. I mean, what's wrong with you? Obviously, that's as one does. Right. Uh, That was that was probably my favorite scene other than them doing sit ups together uh, Mm -hmm. for this movie was the setup of the shot and the drama and the, Oh my God, it's like, seriously, she's going to pull this trigger on this dude. Uh, and then paint splatter. And it's like this giant letdown of air across. Like I, I watched the film before we did our initial podcast, uh, again, just to kind of re up on, on who I was going to be facing. And I was watching with my wife and my wife's like, like, seriously, I've never, that's going to happen. She's really, um, uh, <laughs> it was like one of those like sigh of reliefs but also like disappointment because i was expecting to see a dude's chest blow up because you know right. in action movies they go over the top exactly uh which this movie has in spades uh yeah. you discussed it before that you know the story and the hearts there the incredible amount of violence in this film was legendary for its time it really was and like um, the escape from the police station or the DEA's office. That was just like ridiculous amount of fighting and killing inside a cop station. And they actually get out like, OK, <laughs> like it was, it was whatever. I loved watching it because we like these movies not for their realism, I feel like, but more for 
the popcorn flickness of them and how fun they are to watch. A hundred percent. I mean, the max destruction is, is based on the fact that we're taking these characters that in and of themselves, there's absolutely no way they'd exist in real life. There's, there's just no way that these, these gigantic he-man esque or these dudes that seem to melt into shadow and come back out of the same shadow with a cordless telephone from the early to late nineties. Yeah, they, they don't. We take these characters and we put them in a semi-realistic setting where they then have to go up against another character that's just as outlandish uh, and, and see what would happen. Um, the, the, the police chase scene. Uh, the simple fact that nobody was batting an eye that she was like, oh, hey, I'm just going to bring all a bunch of guns in this like paper bag. It's cool. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, and, good. Don't and, worry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a DoorDash. Right. Well, before it's time. Well, before it's time. She was a DoorDash. Um, I will definitely say my favorite scene. And I think we're going to get to it is the final fight scene. Uh, oh, between Leon and the cops showcasing one, the abdominal strength of this man, like the, the trope people see nowadays and have been seeing for 20 years of like the bat, the good guy swinging down from the rafters shooting and then being able to pull themselves back up. That started from this movie. Yeah, it was definitely pretty cool and something that I know I can't physically do. Uh, I could do it once, uh, but then I die. I think all of my abs would just punch through my heart, and that would be it. Um, oh, come on. You're it, like the real-life action star, though. Well, obviously, uh, but I I am a realist. I know where I have unlimited ammo, not unlimited ab strength. It's just one, it's one of those <laughs> gives and takes, Dustin. You know, you, you can't have both. This isn't GoldenEye. Uh, you can't just turn on the cheat codes and everything's on. You know, slappers, big head, everyone wants to play odd job. Uh, none of those things are. And for all of my people that got all of those references, congratulations. Uh, you probably need to schedule your next colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so. As far as the final scene, and the reason I bring that up is, again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm active military. I really love military tactics. I love police tactics. Um, and again, in a previous podcasting life, I would completely remove the spines of these movies when I'm talking about tactics. So this film showcases the quintessential reason why collateral damage assessments exist because these dudes not only were throwing grenades into an apartment that had apartments above below and to its sides but they also brought in a machine gun and started mowing down the walls none of those things would happen in real life obviously but for this film incredible use of violence and an incredible height that this character was able to take in order to get around all of those issues. Yeah. I mean, it makes for amazing visuals. I don't think I've ever seen police like take down a building that hard, but you know, it looks cool. I mean, it does. It, it breathes well, uh, but I don't think that a police that's, say new york city i don't think they'd be allowed to do those things uh it's it's just one of those common things you're not allowed to shoot through walls you're not allowed to like lob grenades into the thing just not things that you typically do um and the fact that it seemed like every police station in every borough of new york city all responded to one dea agent saying hey send everybody and they did like there, there must have been every crime committed afterwards for about three and a half days because one, the amount of people Leon killed uh, probably emptied a couple of those police stations, but also every other police officers down in that one spot in New York City, ridiculous. Oh yeah, definitely. But again, it looks cool, and that's all I have to say. I'm not a tactic person. Um, my expertise is in data and security that I'm really bad at apparently. So 
um, for me, like I'm watching these movies, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. But I have seen enough cops to know that that's not how they do things. Well, everybody knows that we watch cops really just to watch the really badly out of shape cops run uh, and then like have their partner hit the bad guy with a car uh, and then like poke themselves with the hypo in their pocket. Like that's literally the reason why that show exists. And bless you uh, for all for all our brothers and sisters in blue. Uh, we definitely uh, support you guys uh, unless you're planning on shooting up an entire apartment building with a machine gun. That's where I draw the line. That's where my line is, Dustin. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that. That that sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's 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 tough talk from the Max Destruction podcast. Uh, we we hold lines here. We have our values. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up about this movie? I mean, it's an incredible film. I'm glad that we had the chance to kind of review it uh, in lieu of a simulation. Um, is is there anything else you want to put up? Uh, you know, honestly, it's just those main scenes. The final one the training with the sniper, all of it was really well done. I liked just their relationship and him protecting her. And I thought it had a very satisfying ending, if not slightly sad ending, but like, I don't want to give away everything, but I'm guessing if someone's listening to this, I've seen it, but yeah, overall it was, a, it was a fantastic movie. It was awesome to watch great action, had some heart. Gary Oldman's amazing in it. Just there's not much to really hate on. I mean, we didn't bring up the fact that Gary Oldman does get his like he's ridiculously crazy, but he gets his by like a hail of grenades, which is good. Um, And yes, yes, folks, this movie again came out in 1994. If you are pissed off at the Max Destruction podcast for spoilers (laughs) for my movie that is almost 30 years old. That's on you. That says more about you than it does us. Uh, you know, that means he's almost old, as old as I am. Almost. I mean, I, I, I still have by a few years. I mean, like, I look at things like Indiana Jones 5 coming out, and then, like, I was born when Indy 2, I think, came out, 87. That's when Temple of Doom came out, I think. It really makes me sad. Uh, and then, like, <laughs> The fact that I'm at where I'm in my career and like the guys coming in now were born in like 2001, 2002, oh. 2003. It, it really breaks my heart. It does. That's right. Um, you know, when, when now when we go to buy beer and they just see 19 in front of our birthday, they don't even look. It's like, yeah, you're fine. Thanks. No, nope. born people. in the 1900s. We don't need to know. Facts. Facts. Uh, so, Dustin. With this, uh, we're not going to do a damage uh, scale because we both know uh, both of these guys tend to use a lot of heavy artillery. I think we gave this a three, three and a half. Um, I would say just below our Slater versus Bravestone because Slater actively used TNT all the time. Uh, (laughs) And both of these dudes were like smashing down walls of our deli. These guys were firearm focused. There was a little bit of of explosives, but not a crazy amount. Typically, it was used against them more than they did. So that was why we scored it that way. Um, So for the results, uh, Dustin, we both know how this went. Obviously, we reviewed one side, but we both know Snake won this match. Uh, And for those of you that were kind of curious as to why, yes, Snake won this match 709 to Leon the Professional 291. Now, based on on what we just reviewed, it would seem that that's a little bit skewed. However, we did not review Escape from L.A. and Escape from New York. Snake was highly, highly trained. uh, Green Beret plus some. uh, So he had a lot more strategic intelligence. Uh, His maneuverability, his ability to, I guess, take more pain and punishment than any person alive. All of these things kind of led towards his Yeah, he he had holograms and shit like that. Uh, So, yes, for this fight, definitely seemed a little more one-sided. We're probably going to have to run this sim again. Uh, I think we're going to be doing something maybe crazy for our 20th episode. Mm, Yes. 
Uh, as you guys might have, have noticed, uh, we are definitely looking to expand this podcast. We want to change things up a little bit. Uh, we are still going to be doing duels, at least the next nine duels, uh, and then having our, our 20th, 30th, 40th, if we get there, obviously, uh, be something a little special. Uh, if you guys, as the audience, really enjoyed this episode, please let us know, uh, as well as our next audience matchup, which this one... I kind of went way back in the vault for uh, the Giver, uh, which if you're an anime fan, definitely came out as an anime before and a manga before. But I'm thinking of the late or early 90s movie that had Mark Hamill in it for a grand total of like eight and a half minutes, even though he was like prominent on the box. Like I can remember clearly Mark Hamill's name and face being on this box, but he wasn't anywhere near the main character. Uh, so the Giver and the Giver suit is this week's character for their matchup. Um, please go ahead and post your answer to who you think would beat or should fight the Giver. Uh, but also let us know what you guys thought about this podcast. Let us know what you thought about uh, working towards having some reviews uh, intermittent endless. Uh, we both love the duels, but we I, I had a lot of fun doing this review. I don't know about you, Dustin. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's always a good time. Uh, so it would not be our podcast if we didn't end the episode with a flip. Uh, and this flip uh obviously we're going to be doing cameron poe and axel foley for our next match uh so we're going to be doing the next flip which i'll have to have you remind me who it's going to be but this one's <laughs> going to be two sword wielders it's Ooh, going to okay. be zoro the masked mexican awesome vigilante versus i am spartacus that's right kirk douglas spartacus or if you'd rather the stars spartacus uh the gladiator um from from roman times is good times so dustin's shaking his head which means he definitely wants to win this coin flip to see who's going to win this so call it in the air dustin heads oh my friend it is heads dustin wins is it really okay it is i'm gonna go with spartacus Wow, he's going Roman twice in a row. I was actually I thinking you go Zorro. Uh, I guess it's probably because I believe uh, Maximus won, even though he probably shouldn't have uh, during that. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's probably why. Uh, so, yes, uh, look for that matchup coming up in two weeks. Uh, so next match, of course, will be Cameron Poe versus Axel Foley. But following that is going to be Zorro versus Spartacus. And I get to play Antonio Banderas, uh, which means I will be speaking in a Spanish accent for the entire time. Uh, and, and that is when we get canceled. Uh, that's OK. <laughs> uh, everything is great. It's good. Uh, if you suffer to my Arnold impression, uh, you are going to love my Spanish impression. Uh, it's going to be great. So uh, I think this was a hell of an episode. I uh, really hope you guys enjoyed it. Again, leave us some feedback. You can shoot us an email at massdestructionpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, definitely drop some stuff on Instagram and the rest of our uh, social medias and or leave some comments on our podcasts. Uh, Dustin, you got anything to throw out there? Uh, no, uh, just that Leon was cheated and he is the better man and drink your milk folks. Drink your milk. And do sit-ups. And sit-ups. Lots and lots of sit-ups. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. 